Listeners love Adam Crowley. Just between you and me, I believe you're fat, ugly, dumb, and gutless. Just personal opinion. The Adam Crowley Show. When you're done with your program, we can discuss this out in the parking lot. I mean, you're a tough guy. On ESPN Pittsburgh. The Pittsburgh Penguins have accomplished in two years what the Philadelphia Flyers have achieved in their entire existence. The Penguins have won the Stanley Cup in each of the last two hockey seasons. The Flyers have won the Stanley Cup twice since their inception. Fifteen times the Art Ross Trophy winner has played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Flyers have had the league's leading score exactly as many times as they've had cup winners since 1975. For context, the first movie in the Rocky series came out in 1976. Somehow, Flyers fans have a superiority complex. Remember Broad Street Bulls tweet in 2012 stating that a national audience saw Sidney Crosby pass the baton to Claude Giroux as the league's best player? Imagine trying to carry the cup and Conn Smythe with a baton in your hand. Claude Giroux, while good, has not ever been the best player in hockey. He has lived exactly zero days as the best player in the National Hockey League. Hashtag not a homer. Since that tweet, Crosby has become a three-time Stanley Cup winner, while the Flyers haven't made it out of the first round of the playoffs. Philadelphia might win tonight, but that won't change the fact that the Penguins are hockey royalty. The Flyers, they're just an afterthought. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of Dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. I hate the Flyers almost as much as I love the Penguins. Here are some reasons why. The Penguins couldn't win a game in the spectrum from 1975 to 1989. All that took place before I was born. But I'm told I have to not at all be happy with that. Scotty Hartnell bit Chris Letang. Yager signed in orange and black after hashtag Yager watch. Max Talbot signed in Philadelphia after hashtag Yager watch. Zach Ronaldo, Daniel Carcillo, Mike Richards, hashtag leadership. Daniel Briere was offsides. 2012 still gives me PTSD. That one hurt. This is the worst slash maybe best goal song in the history of the National Hockey League. If the Penguins had it, we would love it. But the Flyers in that 2012 series scored more goals on the Penguins than the Penguins allowed the entire 2009 Stanley Cup run. No, I'm not having a good time. Get the hell out of here. hurt, man. It really hurt. It's why I hate them as much as I do. Crosby and Malkin were at the top of their powers. The Penguins looked like the best team in the league, and yet they couldn't get past what was really a mediocre Flyers team. Without a doubt, that was the low point in the Sidney Crosby era. But here's the thing. The Flyers haven't done anything about it. The Penguins were mired in an ugly tailspin after that point, but they found a way to right the ship and win the Stanley Cup a couple of times. The Flyers have either missed the playoffs or been bounced from them in the first round in each of the last five seasons. And remember, anytime a Flyers fan throws it in your face, Hey, 2012! 
Just remind them of Max Talbot's fight and Philly's subsequent collapse. Daniel Garcillo's a clown. For so long, the Flyers have been the antithesis of the Penguins. Pittsburgh won with speed and skill. They still do. They play hockey the right way. This is very much good versus evil. Hockey's a beautiful game if played correctly. The Penguins play hockey beautifully. Or as beautifully as you're allowed in the modern-day National Hockey League. But you go back to Lemieux, and they play hockey beautifully. The Flyers, they sometimes didn't care about hockey so much as turning their games into gong shows, into melees. The Flyers have always been dirty, scumbags, bastards. Now, they're trying to do it our way. Imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, is it not? The Flyers haven't won anything since 1975, and that's because for so long they wanted to play the way that they did in 1975. We're the Broad Street Bullies! We are going to kick your ass! How's that worked out? I thought they'd continue down the same path with Ron Hextall as general manager. That hasn't so much happened. They're actually playing the way the Penguins play. Trying to play with speed. Trying to play with skill. They've got a deep top nine. That just tells me they've admitted defeat. Flyers fans think they're royalty. Often talking about how the Penguins almost had to move and Penguins fans only became fans when Sidney Crosby got drafted. Most living Flyers fans can't even remember when the Flyers last won the damn Stanley Cup. The Penguins have been defending Stanley Cup champs for almost 700 days now. So there's one simple fact that you can't deny. And I'm talking straight into the soul of Philly right now. Pittsburgh is Pennsylvania's hockey town. And it ain't even freaking close. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Today feels good, doesn't it? Feels a little dirty, but it feels good. You never want to embrace hate, but today I do. Today feels damn freaking good. The Pens and the Flyers are both playing good hockey. And they're both playing a meaningful hockey game right now. Flyers have just been pus over the last five years. So the games have lost some bite. No pun intended, Scott Hartnell. The Penguins and Flyers are now separated by just one point in the standings. This is the way it's supposed to feel. You should wake up on Flyers Day and be ready to punch someone in the face. I can feel the hate coursing through my body. Meanwhile, in Philly, they just got Michael Bennett from the Seattle Seahawks. They're still riding high after their first Super Bowl championship, so maybe we should take it one further. What an amateur sports town Philadelphia is. My God, the Phillies, the Eagles, the Flyers, they've combined for one less championship than the Penguins alone have won. Amateur! Second rate! Now, yeah, sure. They had Ben Franklin and the Declaration of Independence and the Liberty Bell and all that fun stuff, but tell me something that happened more recently than 260 years ago. The Penguins are absolutely going to need to play better than they played the other night if they want to get out of Philly tonight with the win. The Pens have allowed 
get this, 38 shots exactly in three of the past four games. That's odd. It's also a recipe for disaster playing a team like Philadelphia. Let's see if the Penguins see red when they see orange tonight. And take it to these bastards. Rob Rossi of the Trip will join me coming up in 12 minutes on the Crowley Show. 412-922-2874. At underscore Adam Crowley on the dot com. With Le'Veon Bell likely not getting a long-term deal. And that's the way I see it. It's not going to happen. He's going to play this year on the tag. It means to me that this is the most important year of Ben Roethlisberger's career. Certainly lately. Certainly of his remaining career. If Le'Veon Bell leaves, the Steelers' chances of winning a Super Bowl go down dramatically, I think. I bring it up all the time. Ben Roethlisberger had thrown one more interception than touchdown over the first five games of this season. That's when Le'Veon Bell wasn't playing well. After that point, Le'Veon Bell averaged 126 rushing yards per game. Ben Roethlisberger's statistics took off, and the team won a bunch of games in a row, including a game in New England. Yeah, they won that game. As Stugat says in my personal record book, Le'Veon Bell gives the Steelers a plan B. Le'Veon Bell allows Ben Roethlisberger to not have to be the hero all the time. Le'Veon Bell allows Ben Roethlisberger to get rid of the football with little risk, and he can provide a huge reward. Listeners of the show are going to get annoyed that I tell this story again, but here it comes. Martavis Bryant's first year, 2014, the Steelers were mired in struggles. They didn't know who they were. They didn't have an identity. And they were about to lose to the Houston Texans. Ben Roethlisberger in the offense was backed up at the shadow of its own goal line. And Ben Roethlisberger had like a third and 19. He dumped the ball to Le'Veon Bell, who cut the ball upfield, took it past the 50-yard line, and set the Steelers up for a touchdown. After that, Ben Roethlisberger stopped throwing the ball into triple coverage. Ben Roethlisberger stopped trying to force things. When you've got a playmaker like Le'Veon Bell who can do things like that without the quarterback having to fit the ball into triple coverage or take risks, you want to keep that guy around. But if Le'Veon's going to be stubborn, then they're not going to be able to keep him around. So this is the year. This is their final chance. This is the best bet for Ben Roethlisberger to win the Super Bowl without Le'Veon. That's not to say that it can't happen. Hell, he's won one without Le'Veon before. In fact, he's won two without Le'Veon before. But not the way that this team is constructed. He's actually never been to a Super Bowl with Bell, so you have to start to wonder, is Bell the reason we're holding him back? No, that's stupid. The defense has been plus. This is Ben Roethlisberger's best chance to win a championship if he only plays three more years. Art Rooney II said that Ben Roethlisberger wants to play out his contract. I think he's got at most three years left. They've said at least three years left, but let's say it's three. Let's take the line right there in the middle. If this is Le'Veon's final season with Pittsburgh, does this represent their best opportunity to win a championship 
in Ben Roethlisberger's career. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I haven't busted out the old finger guns in a while. I'm about to. Some jabroni on Fox Sports 1 had a dumb-ass hot take. This is a guy who's been suspended twice for substance abuse, okay? And you're looking at the Steelers situation, Colin. And in 66 games since they've drafted Le'Veon Bell, they averaged 25 points a game. In the 21 games without him, shockingly, 25 points per game. As we've said before on this show, running backs and wide receivers are good and great. Eric, we, we love running backs. But at the same time, they are extra. You can win without them. You get a system going, you're fine. I think Mike Tomlin and the Steelers are sending a message here. Hey, man, this is a guy loving out, but we love him. He showed up at the tail end of the walkthrough before the Jacksonville Jaguars that, playoff that's game. That's true. This is the day before the playoff that game. It, he just shows up at the end that, of the walkthrough. I think that, that hurt. That is him. immaturity. And I think Pittsburgh saying to the locker room, Ray Lewis said it on this show last week. Hey, man, they got to button things up in Pittsburgh. Yeah, they hate Le'Veon Bell so much that they've offered him a contract to make him the highest paid running back in football. They want to send Le'Veon a message so bad that last year they slapped the franchise tag on him, making him the most highly paid running back in football. This year, they slapped the tag on him again, meaning that if he were to play under the tag, he would be the highest paid running back in football. If the Steelers are sending messages that way, They ain't going to be successful. That's like my dad saying, Adam, back in the day, I can't believe you didn't cut the grass. I'm going to give you your allowance anyway. Did that guy, and I don't even know his name from Fox Sports 1, did he even take inventory of what was coming out of his mouth as it was coming out of his mouth? That's asinine, man. I think the Steelers are sending Le'Veon Bell a message. They offered him the richest contract in the history of football for a running back last year, and Le'Veon Bell turned it down even despite his agent saying, yo, bro, you should take this. This year, the Steelers have offered more money, a little bit more, and he has turned it down. They're not trying to send a message. They're trying to sign him because they know, like I know, that they need him to win. More on that as we move forward in the show. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Weeks like this, I miss the Big East basketball tournament so much. I used to have a half chub Monday when I woke up during Big East Championship Week. No longer. We'll talk to Bob Huggins, West Virginia basketball coach at 540. A lot of pens today, though, because I hate the Flyers with a passion. I wouldn't pee on Claude Giroux if he were on fire. Rob Rossi joins to discuss next. It's the Crowley Show. The hockey news polled a bunch of players in the National Hockey League and asked them who the best players of all time were and the best current-day players were. Here's who they got as the best forward of all time, Wayne Gretzky, no surprise there. But then Lemieux and Crosby and Yager all follow. Three pens. Yeah, and Yager, he doesn't count as a flyer. He'll go down as a pen. Best defenseman of all time, Paul Coffey's on the list. Don't see any flyers there. 
One player you'd like to have as your teammate, Sidney Crosby coming in second behind Wayne Gretzky because it was active or retired. The Pens do things the right way. They play good, clean hockey. The Flyers are starting to follow suit. Rob Rossi now joins me from the Trib to discuss. Robert, how are you today? Pretty good, Adam. How are you? I'm delightful, sir. I am excited. It's been a long time since I've been this jammed up for a Flyers-Penguins game. Oh, yeah, I guess this is a big one, huh? I mean, you know, it's a regular season game. Um, I mean, I'll be very excited if we get a playoff series. I think even though it's only been five years, I think that's long enough to go – for a large segment of the audience to forget how great playoff series between the Penguins and Flyers can be. And truthfully, it's really been a while since we've had a competitive one. Um, The one in 2009 was really the last competitive Mm -hmm. Penguins-Flyers series. But, um, you know, I think the Flyers have done a marvelous job this year of transforming themselves from a team that was going nowhere to one that, legitimately is a playoff team. But to me, if teams are both at their peak, this Penguins team is a superior squad and and should win at best of seven against the Flyers. Uh, That said, the Penguins have some team defensive flaws right now that I don't see getting fixed unless they are just able to possess the puck the way they did two years ago in the postseason. And that is very much easier said than done for any team. Rob, I'm concerned about that as well. And that's why I think tonight's game is so big, because if the Flyers can find a way to pop six in the net, five in the net, score a bunch, and keep the Penguins' defense playing poorly the way that it has really over the last handful of games... I think that not only buoys their confidence going into the playoffs, but it does remind me a little bit of 2012 where the Penguins gave up a couple of goals and allowed the Flyers to come back in a game late in the season. And then I think the yeah. Flyers were kind of in the Penguins' heads at that point. I don't know. That, that, that Penguins team in 2012 was the best team in hockey. Yes. And they had one team that could beat them because they had one team that had the wherewithal not to lose the game before the game started. That Penguins team was an offensive team that was awesome. They were they, they could blow the doors off teams when Crosby came back to that team. I think they were averaging like four and a half goals per game. And they melted down every time the Flyers dared get in their face. Yep. And they never missed an opportunity to. And, and more than any of the Dan Bowsma, you know, playoff disappointments, that's the one where I really feel it was a result of Dan not being able to get that team to get past that one hiccup. If they don't draw the Flyers that year, they win the Stanley Cup. I'm not even – I don't even doubt that. It was the best team that Ray Shiro had built. But they like – this Penguins team lacked some depth on defense. They, like this Penguin team, were not deep in goal. And I will say this, Adam, I think you're right. If the Flyers would you know, put up six tonight, it, it would concern you. 
But I guess I would counter that by saying not merge, not net. And I think the biggest question for this Penguin team that can still be answered is, will Matt Murray return and can he stay healthy? Because if those two things don't go hand in hand, this Penguin team for as gifted as it is up front, for as great as Malkin and Kessel and Crosby have been, this Penguin team may not win a round if they do not get Matt Murray back and keep him healthy for a playoff series. And I'm not sure it matters who they play in round one. If Matt Murray's not the goaltender, I don't like their chances. Rob Rossi coming in strong with the content, as always. He, of course, from the trip. I'd agree with that. I don't know if I'd have the guts to pick them to lose. I don't think I'd necessarily feel comfortable about it. But I don't want to talk about today now anymore. I want to go back a little ways. And I want to look at 1975 through 1989 when the Penguins went to the Spectrum and could not win a hockey game. If you're a Penguins fan and you're older than I am, if you're a Penguins fan and you're, I'd say, right around your age, right, Rob? That was well, prob- I'm not a Penguins fan, but yeah. Well, okay. Sure. Well, well that, yeah. that would probably be what hurts you the most. Yes, that or the 2012 series. Which one do you think oh, was crippling more? There was, look, um, to me the most crippling memory I have as a, as a young fan, when I was a fan before I became a, a sports writer, the 1989 playoff series when they were up, what, uh, two... Three, three to two in that series and had just destroyed the Flyers in game five. And then Ken Reggett won game six in Philly and then came back and pretty much stoned them in game seven. That's, that was a tough one because they did something in that series that you hadn't seen them do all that often, which was win a game in Philadelphia. Right. I believe Phil Bork won the game with a, uh, overtime goal. Look, Adam, I've said this before. I'll say this again. Other than, the Stanley Cup victories. There has never been a more enjoyable victory in the history. I'm talking on ice. I'm not talking draft lotteries. or Other than the five times they've won the Stanley Cup, a Penguin fan who lived through any portion of the 15 years of hell that was going to the spectrum and coming away with a guaranteed loss. And by the way, this wasn't a once-a-year trip, Adam. I believe it was like 48 games or something like that. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was an astonishing run of futility. And they would lose games every way imaginable. It's the closest thing I've ever seen to an actual curse. And when that ended, I thought it was the closest I'd ever see to Pittsburgh hockey glory. Because back then, I wasn't so sure I would see them win a Stanley Cup. When they won that night, I was jumping up and down like a madman, and there were grown men doing it because I saw grown men doing it. It, People the next day, I had a teacher in school who said he was a kid when he saw the Penguins last win in Philadelphia. (laughs) It had gone through his high school, college, and the beginning of his professional career. Um, that is that is a run of misery unlike anything any great franchise has ever known. Um, so seeing the Penguins win in Philadelphia never fails to impress me because I still remember that scarring. And if you weren't around for that, Adam, 
it's it's tough to explain what it was like. Rob Rossi from the trip joining me here on the Crowley Show. Yeah, that sounds just awful. Uh, the Flyers are going to get Sidney Crosby's best tonight because they always do yeah. since Darian Hatcher tried to kill him. Crosby doesn't seem to like the Flyers. I'm not in there very often. He hates them. Yes. Tell me, tell me more about Crosby's hatred of the Philadelphia Flyers. Well, I mean, it dates back to the day that, you know, Hatcher tried to, you know, be, be, be tooth him, I guess is the way to look <laughs> at it. Uh, I mean, it was, he was successful. It was a, it was a mugging. Um, I've covered games in that building where the Flyers, you know, have, you know, the organist has played along while they sent it. Ch- Chanted Crosby sucks. Um, I mean, I, I remember running into a Penguin fan after a morning skate and advising him not to wear a Crosby jersey into the arena in Philadelphia. This was in the early part of a decade because I just said it's not the type of crowd you want to antagonize. I, I always loved covering games in Philadelphia because of an environment unlike any other. Sidney Crosby was the enemy and almost always rose to the occasion of delivering to those people, and I use that term loosely, <laughs> to those, 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 those you know, Cretans in Philadelphia. He almost always rose to the occasion of delivering them some sort of woe. Um, and it was this great sort of roadrunner coyote thing, which is why the 2012 series was so stunning. And I think to this day is probably the one moment in his NHL career where if you talk to Sid about it, you know, he's often said, I don't really have any explanation for that because he's not used to not having, he's not used to doing anything other than having his way with Philadelphia. But it goes back to that night. Um, I remember in that series after one of the games when he got into a fight with Giroux, one of the members of the Philadelphia media asked him a question, and, you know, I was standing there, and, you know, Sid's usually pretty media savvy, and his response at the end of this thing about the Flyers, he goes, well, you know, we just don't like one another. And somebody followed up and said, well, what don't you like about them? And he looked, and he goes, are you kidding me? I hate them. That's what I don't like about them. And I just remember thinking that's the – that was the pure, unadulterated Sidney Crosby opinion on this. He hates them. Um, and I think, if anything, that is what endeared him to Penguin fans first. Uh, early in his career, the lines were drawn into the ice. They were carved there. And Sidney Crosby, you know, carved that line and put his stick down and – more than the uh, more than the Rangers, more than the Capitals, more than anybody identified. That's the enemy, and there's no quicker way to get on the good side of a Penguin fan than to declare the team from the other side of the Commonwealth the enemy. How's your boy Gino feel about him? He's he's not a fan of playing in Philadelphia. He's not a fan of the Flyers. He has hated playing against Couturier. So, um, and I'll say this. Evgeny Malkin has told me many times the loss to the Flyers in 2012 remains the greatest hockey disappointment of his life from a team standpoint. Well, that means a lot given Sochi. Yeah. Well, right. And remember, that was Evgeny Malkin's MVP year. I mean, Evgeny Malkin really believed, you know, he was. He was considered the best player in the world at that point. And, you know, he believes if the Penguins go on to win the Stanley Cup, that, you know, they, they, 
they go on another run. Um, and, and I know he and Crosby both kind of feel that's when the thing kind of started slipping away from them. And look, like the reputable leaders they are, when the things happened and people started losing their jobs and teammates started leaving because the Penguins needed to change things up, Crosby and Malkin wore that up. That was the weight of the world on their shoulders because they felt like they didn't deliver. Um, and, you know, Sochi, Sochi was a I, – I think Sochi was a heartbreak for him. But there was agony associated with Sochi because, you know, his he has this unique relationship with the Russian Hockey Federation. Everybody on that Penguins team, everybody in that organization – thought they were going to win the Stanley Cup that year. And I'll never forget a conversation I had with Max Talbot going into that series. I was in Philadelphia a couple days before that series started. I was talking to some of the Flyers. I, I sat down next to Max. And Max said, Who, what do you think? I said, I actually think you guys are going to win this thing in five. And he looked at me and he goes, are you serious? I said, they know they can beat anybody. They think you can beat them, mm. and and you know you can beat them, and it's just a different dynamic. And and Max looked and said, "Yeah, we 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 know how to press their buttons." And um, I just remember going into that series thinking that, and you know, Adam, I, I think the the thing about that series, everybody remembers the goals. I remember the Danny Briere goal. <laughs> That should have never counted. It was offside by about three miles. You think they win the series if that gets called back? Yes. Yes. I was talking with uh, Tom Fitzgerald, now with the Devils, assistant general manager there. He was an assistant GM with the Penguins back then. We were talking about that series and just the weirdness of that series. That was a series where Mark Andres Fleury made almost no saves, but in the, in the, in the two Penguins wins, he was fantastic. Yes. Um, it, you know, um, and we were talking about how no team ever really made a stop on a power play or any on the penalty kill, excuse me. But we both said, we both looked at each other almost the same time in the conversation at the Briere goal. And I said to him, I said, Tom, do you think like I do that if that goal doesn't happen? He goes, I think we might sweep them. And I said, you know, you might be right because the Penguins were controlling that game. Oh, my God. And they were slaughtering them. Adam, and it's why I always say, and I've become a believer in the metrics of hockey, I, I, I was I was slow to it. I freely admit I didn't understand it, but it's why I always say something a scout told me early in the metrics sort of revolution was: you can take the advanced stats and throw them out the window in a hockey series because they don't account for the one second in that series where something totally unanticipated happens and can totally change the course of a game that turns the series on its head, and that happened on the Danny Breer goal. And it would have been a disallowed goal now. Yes, it would Back have. Then, the Penguins would have won that game 7 to nothing, And that might have been all that team needed, because that was a very cocky, arrogant team. But when they felt good about themselves, they could boat race anybody. And they were on their way to boat racing the Flyers, and I think it would have been enough for them to really – feel strongly that they were the better team, but they needed some sort of confidence boost. And they came out of that game just sort of like what happened. And that, that sense of what's happening never left them in that series. 
Rob, fabulous stuff, man. Always appreciate you taking the time. Thanks again, dude. Appreciate it, man. Anytime. Awesome stuff. Rob Rossi from the trip. I like that guy a lot. He's a poor Mountaineer fan like myself. I guess I should be used to disappointment. Like the 2012 Penguins Flyers series. My God. We'll look back at that series when we come back. It's insane the number of goals that the Flyers scored. Insane. And I'll tell you why tonight's game, even though it's a regular season game, is important even more than the standings would tell you. It's the Crowley Show. Hello out there. Can anybody hear me? Anybody? We probably got five effing listeners right now because... Robert Morris University Women's Basketball is on the iHeartRadio app. Should I even do the rest of the show? I know we have a signal. I know it's 9.70 a.m., 106.3 FM. But should I really even do the show? The people who really care, they listen to me online. And I'm getting all kinds of tweets. These people won't hear the tweets, but I'm getting all kinds of tweets. And I'm going to make sure that they're acknowledged. Kyle says, where do I go to listen to you today? Well, that would be nowhere if you're outside in the signal area. He says the broadcast on ESPN abruptly cut to RMU basketball has to be a mistake, right? Nope. Sherry tweets, what happened? Women's basketball happened. Rick tweets. Crowley, where'd you go? Brian tweets, where you at, bro? Braden says, 970 and I heart switch to RMU on my way home from work. Any other way I can listen? No, the answer is no. It's all right, buddy. No, it's not. It'll be all right. I mean, I do the show to be heard. I feel like I'm just talking to Tom and Brian. Hey, but we're good company, right? Oh, well, Adam, something's just coming in. Yes? We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. RMU women's basketball up now 15-5 to over Central Connecticut. Son of a gun. That means they're going to do this again to me. <laughs> I might take that day off. I might be sick that day. I mean, what the hell? We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. RMU basketball women's now lead Central Connecticut 15-5. Let's go, Central Connecticut! Let's go! So now what we're doing is we're broadcasting their game (laughs) on the app and online. And now we're giving the scores to the people who are listening to our show. We interrupt our regularly scheduled program for this breaking news update on ESPN Pittsburgh. Robert Morris University women's basketball still leads Central Connecticut 15 to 5. I want to see that run for Central Connecticut continue. Or else the next game is what? Going to be tomorrow, right? Probably during the day. Because it's women's basketball. It's a later game, the next one. I think it's it's, uh, the day after that. But that will only take, I think, 15 minutes of your show. But it's a good 15 minutes because it's other crap and it's, you know, it's all that. I. Like women's basketball, I called it a lot in college, but I would bet that most people don't care about NEC women's college basketball. That's all I got to say. 
412-922-2874 is the number to call. Wait, that's unfair. There's a lot of grandmothers out there. There's a lot of there's a lot of moms, dads who want to hear their kids play, Adam. I'm just happy that none of them can hear me right now so that there's not going to be any backlash. Tweet me again at underscore Adam Crowley. I don't ever really think that there are regular season games that you got to go, Oh my God! Stop everything! The Penguins and the Flyers play! It means everything! Because it doesn't. But here's why, beyond the standings, this is important tonight. There's a very good shot the Penguins and the Flyers play in the first round. They would if the season ended today. Hate that cliche. If the season ended today, they'd play in the first round. But that's the case. So what you don't want to see happen is what happened back in 2012. I realize these Penguins are different. They're more mature. Hell, these Flyers are different. But at the end of that season, the Penguins coughed up a lead late in a hockey game, late in the season. And the Flyers won in OT. And that place was on effing fire in Philadelphia. And you see the orange, and you see all the inbred jackals, and it is somewhat intimidating. And that stupid song comes on. The awful Flyers goal song from 2012 that makes me want to throw myself off a damn bridge. And the Penguins got soft. Rob Rossi, I thought, nailed it in the last segment. There are so few people out there who heard how good that segment was. Rob Rossi crushed it. And he said that the Penguins could beat anybody that year. They knew they could beat everybody that year, but they were afraid of only one team. They thought Philly could beat them. They didn't expect it, but they thought that Philly could. And Philly knew that they could. And that game right there gave them the confidence. It gave them life. It gave them a belief. It allowed them to think these are the big bad Penguins, the ones that are scoring four and a half goals a game with James Neal who scored 40 and Evgeny Malkin who scored 50. Those big bad Penguins, we ain't scared. Now the Penguins are coming off of back-to-back Stanley Cup victories, and these Penguins, I think, are big and bad. The Flyers, they're probably not afraid. Don't give them a reason to not be afraid tonight. It's time to get fucked up with some of the best damn hockey talk on the planet. You go to the box, you know, uh, you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. This is the 5-Minute Major with Adam Crowley. Philadelphia Hockey Insider. My man, Wes Euler, joins us coming up in eight minutes on the show. If I were to tell you that an NHL team was 13th in goals per game, 12th in goals against, 14th on the power play, and 29th in penalty kill, would you think that that's a good hockey team or an average hockey team? Tom? Good hockey team. You weren't listening at all, were you? I didn't listen to a Okay, very good. Good content. Solid job. You would think that they're an average one. Thanks for playing along. Hey, Brian. If I told you that an NHL team was 13th in goals per game, 12th in goals against, 14th in power play percent, and 29th in PK percentage, would you think that's a good hockey team or an average one? Average. 
What if I told you that they lost 10 games in a row at one point this season? They suck. That's a terrible hockey team. You wouldn't think they're great or good. Well, well, well. I'm pulling the old switcheroo on you because all those things apply to the Flyers. They're the only team in hockey that can lose 10 games in a row and make the playoffs. But here's the deal. They're slowing down. Yeah, they're one point back of the uh, Penguins. They've been hot as all get up. They are slowing down. They're 6-2-2 in their last 10 games. So they're 6-4. But they do get Wayne Simmons back tonight. Spoiler alert, the Flyers aren't as good as their record indicates. They're a year early. But they are good. Claude Drew's having a great year. Sean Couturier, who usually messes with Malkin, is having a career year. He's got 29 goals. Say what? The Penguins have given up 38 shots in three out of the last four games. That's odd. The only game in the last four that the Penguins outplayed an opponent was against the Islanders, who are aging as well as Sam Carcitti's baton tweet. If the Penguins don't manage the puck well tonight, they're going to lose. Phillies out for blood. They believe that they're a great hockey team, even though they aren't. But here's one thing to hang your hat on if you're a Penguins fan. The Flyers are going to get Crosby's best. They always do since Darian Hatcher tried to kill him. Crosby doesn't just dislike the Flyers. He hates them, period. Crosby's got 88 points in 61 games against Philadelphia, including 37 goals. Crosby averages 1.44 points per game against Philly. Crosby sucks. Crosby sucks. Crosby sucks. He sucks your damn soul out. (laughs) Wes Euler next. It's the Crowley Show.